So I just wanted to share with you, um, I just decorated for Christmas and it was ridiculously hard for me to do so. Um, I didn't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Um, but I've been thinking celebrating something or someone when you are in pain yourself, um, it is a sacrifice. It's painful. It costs you something. And I was trying to figure out why it was so painful for me to go out of the way to celebrate the Lord and try to be lighthearted for Him. And it almost feels like if I do that, if I for one second take my focus off of licking my own wounds and guarding them and, you know, making sure that they're seen to, who will, you know, who will take care of me if I don't? And, you know, there's that temptation to believe that there's only me. There is only me to take care of me. And you almost feel like you, meaning me, I almost feel like I have to keep continual watch over my wounds and my emptiness and my grief and my grievances, because if I don't, and if I stop focusing on them for one minute, they're only going to amplify. Um, And I know I felt in my heart that that is obviously a wrong way of thinking. There's something incorrect there. Um, So I've been kind of taking as my mantra that if I leave my wounds for a second, and go do something else, the Lord will watch over them for me. He will watch over my wounds and my wants and my needs and my necessities if I can, for a second, muster my own energies and gather up my strength to go out and reach out to someone else. Part of me worried that if I do that, it's going to negate the weight of my wounds and my griefs in His sight. And I don't want him. Part of me is like, no, if if he sees me doing things and, you know, being happy and making an effort, then God is going to think that it's okay that he hasn't answered my prayers. Like, oh yeah, she's doing just fine, you know, or that it's okay that he's left me down in the depths. Or maybe that, you know, maybe he'll think that I'm not as down in the depths as I complained to him that I was. Um, But really revisiting that thought I think he sees that. I think we all know that God sees that. He knows that when we reach out, it doesn't mean that any of our own personal grievances don't, you know, don't matter. Um, Because what we're offering is a sacrifice of praise. And that phrase is one that you'll find in the book of Hebrews. um, And it literally just says, offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And how this is deeply meaningful in his sight. Because praise comes so easily when you're given everything, you know. And when uh, when it just comes right from your heart because like, oh my God, how, how wonderful is all of this? Like, thank you. But a sacrifice of praise um, from an empty, aching heart. There's something there, something really beautiful there that... I don't even think we fully understand. And maybe it's that praise doesn't mean a lot when it comes from someone who is fully contented and consoled and has all their loved ones gathered around them and they aren't lonely in the slightest bit. But praise of God that comes from your heart 
or just from your lips <laughs> when he has denied you what you most want and what you most need and when he has allowed you pain and suffering that praise is maybe the purest form of love because it means that you are never there for the gifts you were there for the giver and that even when he takes away all of the gifts you are still there for him and you still look at him with eyes of love and that love has not changed when he hasn't given you what you want and what could be more beautiful than that sentiment in any relationship and of course god feels the same way um there's a verse from habakkuk habakkuk <laughs> i'm so grateful i don't have that name <laughs> that i want to share here um and it's this though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And then if you follow that verse up with the line in Psalm 63, because your love is better than life then what that means and what you're saying is that no matter what you have or don't have in life, even better than a, a happy and, and fully contented and fully fulfilled life is God's love, which we obviously always have. And so we always have something to praise him for, something to be glad over. And it's so hard to see that. And it's so hard to feel that. And it takes an act of will. But I know that intellectually, I know it's true, even though I don't feel that it's true. I know intellectually that I am loved and chosen and formed and precious in the eyes of God, even when none of my circumstances make me think that that's the case. Even when my circumstances make me feel like he has chosen other people over me, that he loves them more than me, that he has blessed them more than me because he loves them more than me, that he just ignores me. Um, but anyways... When you do put your will to reaching out and, and going through the motions almost, it's not, it's not necessarily fake it till you make it, but emotions can have a way of sometimes being able to be formed and guided by our will and by our physical actions. You know, like, and science supports that. Like when you smile, a real smile, when you try it, you're your brain chemistry, you start producing happier emotions. And that's just the thing about our physicality is when you, when you reach out and you choose to move your limbs in such a way, um, the emotions may follow and they may become more congruent with your actions when you do put forth the actions. So the other thing about decorating for Christmas um, is it just felt like a waste. And it felt like, you know, buying this tree and these decorations, it's not worth it. I'm not worth it. It's only me. I'm spending all this money on Christmas decor when I don't have a family and I don't have children. <laughs> you know, um, I'm mad, essentially. But Jesus and his birthday is worth it. We celebrate the great king who will come back. 
And I thought, what if he walked into my door and he didn't see a single party decoration up for his birthday? I would be so ashamed. And he would ask me why. And I'd be like, um, because you haven't given me what I wanted. And like, I, I thought about that and I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't do this. I'm going to have to decorate. Like I need to, I need to show him that I'm not so petty you know, that I'm not just so mad that he hasn't given me what I want, that I refuse to celebrate him. And it's not just also that Jesus and his birthday are worth it, but I'm worth it. You know, I am worth setting up a tree and, and you know, creating this beauty with my decorations so that I alone can sit under it in the evenings like a child and marvel about how beautiful it looks, you know, because... I think that's something too. Um, Sometimes we don't decorate and we don't, I don't know, we don't do things in general because we feel like if it's just us, what is the point, you know? Um, But the Lord says in Isaiah 43, I give Egypt as ransom for you. I give nations in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And what all of that means is that I and you have dignity and have worth and deserve a tree, a Christmas tree that's really beautifully decorated. If nations are given for me in exchange for me, then I deserve a freaking tree. Um, And lastly, Is it worth it because, wow, shouldn't I just spend all that money and like go feed the homeless? You know, what a waste, right? Shouldn't I have just not squandered that couple of hundred dollars on the Lord? Wouldn't he rather I have given it to the poor? Um, And I would just like to point out, I was thinking about that too, um, because I do have a lot of homeless friends (laughs) here in Houston. Um, But in the Gospels, there is that story of the woman who had the bottle of very expensive oil. It was perfumed oil that she took to Jesus and she poured over his feet and she anointed his feet with it and she wept as she did so because she was a sinner and yet also because she loved him so much that, you know, she just wanted any little thing that she could do with him, you know, just let me wash your feet. Um, And it was a complete act of love doing this for him. But the Bible says that everyone who was there, including the disciples, were indignant. And they saw her doing this and they were like, what a waste? Like, what are you doing? Like, don't, 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 you know, pour this oil on his feet. It could have been sold for a large sum of money and the money given to the poor. And like, that's what we should really be focusing on. But the thing is, yes, we should focus on the poor, but because of Jesus, the primary focus of everything is Jesus. And even he says that. He said, don't bother her, don't touch her. She has done a very beautiful thing for me today. The poor you will always have with you, but you won't always have me with you. And essentially, you know, if you have the opportunity, which Christmas is, to celebrate the Lord and to do something beautiful for him, do it even if you're miserable, and definitely then if you are miserable, because then you are offering that, not just offering praise, but you are offering that sacrifice of praise that's mentioned in Hebrews. Um, So yeah, I would just say any gesture that comes from 
such a heart, you know, that is aching and broken and lonely and not contented and not happy. Um, such gestures are truly of, I think, potentially more worth than any others. Um, and they speak to who you are as a person, too, when you offer them. They speak to your own nobility of heart and your own character, that you can rise above your own self and your own griefs, which matter a lot, and you can still lift your head and celebrate the Lord. And I know that he sees that. So yeah, that's all I have. And I just wanted to share that.